but we're called to be the church where we are. And so that's what we're looking at, your world. We'll continue that on this week. Um, but Craig Winkler, he uh, has been a family friend for a long time. I first went over to his house in Melbourne when I was six and stayed with him. And, and we are so blessed to have him here. Have we got him connected? Are we good to go? Cool. Craig, can you hear me? Yes, no. I can. Oh. Although the, um, the line is not great. The line's not great, but we've got you. We don't have a visual. Or oh, is it going to work? We might just have to. Oh, there we go. We got you. Awesome. Cool. How are you going? It's good to see you. Yeah, you too, Jamie. So, Craig, um, I've given you like a very, very brief introduction. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? A um, bit about your family, a bit about who you are? Sure. So uh, <clears throat> I'm just a regular guy. I live in Blackburn in Melbourne. Uh, and you got uh, to cheer. you got to cheer for Blackburn over here. John, our worship leader, used to live there. Yeah, so married to Di, and uh, we have three teenage daughters. Yeah, awesome. Awesome, that's cool. So three teenage daughters are... Uh, Tell us a bit about your church. Yeah, so we're, uh, we're part of Crossroad Baptist Church in Melbourne. So it's a, a largest church in Melbourne's eastern suburbs in East Burwood. Am I... So we've been there for about, uh, about 30 years, actually. Am I correct in saying that that's actually the largest church in the country? Is that true? Or is that just a myth that uh, Dad told me? It might be the largest Baptist church in Melbourne. I don't know. Yeah, right. Oh, cool. So you're there uh, in Blackburn. Um, so, because you're so humble, I just want to tell a bit about um, what you've been doing, if that's okay. So, you co-founded Myob, which is an online bookkeeping um, software. Well, it's not online, it's a bookkeeping software in 1991, which grew to become Australia's large, largest IT company in 2004. Uh, in 2009, you left um, Myob to focus on philanthropy and uh, at the same time stepped onto the board of directors in a New Zealand book bookkeeping company called uh, Zero. Uh, since, since you've been there, it's grown 2,000%. Uh, and to this day, you're continually involved in tech startups uh, with huge potentials. You're, you're on the board of churches, of, you're mixing with these um, incredible people. At what point did you discover that you were called to business, that God had graced you <laughs> to, to influence in the business world? Yeah, well, I, it's not what I expected. I studied engineering uh, and I took a, a year's leave of absence from engineering to get a job and I worked in a little business, a little computer business, and uh, I just really enjoyed the practical stuff, the hands-on, and uh, at the end of that year, I uh, didn't go back to my course, much to my parents' horror. Uh, and so, uh, so I still don't have a degree, so that's a bit of a problem. But anyway, it doesn't seem to have held me back much. I think uh, God just uh, plonked me in the right place uh, for me to discover what I really enjoyed. Uh, I'd spent many years since I was about 12 thinking I was going to be an electronics engineer. And then here I was at the age of 19 or 20 going, oh, actually, maybe not. Even then, when I started my own business in 1987, I... Uh, I was trying to kind of divide my time between the business side and the uh, the software side of the business, and 
I came to a point of realising that I had to do one thing well. I sort of took a leaf out of Paul's book and it occurred to me that I should focus on one or the other and then hire a team that could do better things than me in whatever that other skill set was. And, and I decided I'd actually try to run the business and see if I could do that well. I think it turned out okay. Yeah, it sure did. It sure did. Um, that's awesome. So serving in those in those uh, roles, in those leadership positions. I'm interested to know because I think often the business world can get a bad rap um, for, for greed and because it is a business is, um, you know, for the purpose of serving the shareholders and, and all of that. It, in those boardroom moments, is there any ever, like, is there ever any tension between your faith um, and the, the business side of things? Yeah, I think business is like every other walk of life that is, your faith gets challenged and you have a choice to make. Do you... Oh, we lost you. You're frozen. Do we, uh, we've lost the internet. Uh-oh. Well, we might get back to that then. We'll see. You guys keep working on that and we're going to continue on. Um, yeah, cool. I didn't have a t contingency plan for this. So if we get him back, we'll get him back and continue that. But Okay. Oh, we got him back. <laughs> hey, cool. I was going to have to wrap up your life story for you, but I think you can continue doing that. If uh, We lost you at the start of that. Hey, uh, as much as I'd love to see you there, Jaden, it might actually help the connection if your end uh, turned off your video feed. All right, let's, can we cut off our video feed? Let's give that a go. Um, so, uh, so we have a choice to make. Do we actually uh, be God's person in every part of life or do we just keep that for Sunday? And uh, my view has always been that, uh, that I'm going to follow Jesus in everything that I do. And in business, that's no different. So yes, in business, to answer your question, sure, your ethics get challenged and you have to make decisions that aren't easy and sometimes you have to stand up for, uh, for what you believe in. But I think that's true of everything in life. So in business, from my point of view, I was God's person in business. I wasn't a businessman that happened to be a Christian. I'm a Christian who happened to be in business. Yeah, that's good. So I think that's a pretty important perspective. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. And, and so you left that world in 2009. You left the business world or um, stepped back from it at least to uh, start some philanthropy work. Tell us a bit about that and, and what, convicted you to take a step back? I think uh, that's that was a longer process. And uh, again, it's kind of God's timing. I think the, my leaving uh, MYOB in 2009 actually wasn't really my choice. Uh, so the company was taken over in a hostile takeover. And I can tell you that is an ugly and unpleasant experience to be on the receiving end of that, particularly from We've frozen again. We might just wait a second. It's such a shame because it's uh, such an inspiring story. Hopefully we reconnect. Yeah. Reconnecting, sweet. <laughs> this is when we need our piano player to come play a little background tone. Have we got you, Craig?
There we go. Oh, sorry about that, Craig. I think we finally cut off our video feed. Um, hopefully that's a bit better. But you're just saying that being in the middle of a hostile takeover wasn't a fun situation. You, you're on the receiving end of that. No, no it's not fun at all. And uh, so in 2009, that uh, organisation was successful in the takeover and it was clear to me that uh, my time had ended. And I'd always prayed that God would let me know really clearly if it was time for me to to exit the, that business or to, to do something different. And so for me, that was the clearest signal you could get. Uh, and over many years, you know, giving has always been part of our life. And so it seemed to me that with a certain amount of extra resource now that we should focus clearly on making sure we could give effectively and be involved in giving, giving back in a different way. So uh, don't get me wrong. I think business is a really powerful tool to do good things if it's done in the right way. But uh, we stepped out uh, to do things a bit differently in the philanthropy space. And so there are four areas that we operate in. Uh, so Christian faith is, is one of them, uh, environment, Indigenous Australians and disability. And, and our goal there is to honour God in just being able to work with organisations to be more effective and to do their job better, to, uh, to see people in, in a better place. So it's been a really interesting journey. Yeah, that's great. And so, um, Dad was telling me about your um, work on the Indigenous side of things. Do you mind? Do you mind going into that a little bit, um, if you don't mind? Uh, we don't really talk about this stuff, but uh, I'll, I'll see what I can do for you. You don't have to. We can so, just skip that question. No, it's okay. So, look in that area. I think the uh, in two thousand and seven, actually, God really uh, impacted me on this. I, I didn't know any Indigenous people. I had no Indigenous friends. Uh, and God kind of whacked me around a bit and, and I was thinking about uh, international mission and all this kind of stuff and he kept saying to me, what about your own backyard? Eventually I was like, well, I think I know what God means by that and I don't really like it very much because it seems hard. <clears throat> but um, we just started to explore and said, okay, God, if you're in this, you'll, uh, you'll actually make it work. And so we just started to meet people and uh, it became apparent that there's just... Uh, we have a, a difficult history here in our country and we don't like to talk about it very much. It's awkward and sometimes embarrassing and sometimes it brings up a whole lot of other stuff because we have to live with this day by day. But, you know, we have uh, particularly brothers and sisters of faith uh, who follow Jesus with us who are Indigenous and particularly those guys, you know, we, uh, we should actually be able to walk with them. Uh, and sometimes we do and mostly we don't do that very well. So I've really been on that journey of trying to find ways to help uh, the church and the broader community to uh, to understand why do we have this gap? Why why is there the gap between uh, Indigenous people and the rest of us? Uh, how can we understand the, our own history better so that we have a better understanding of what's going on? We have more empathy with our Indigenous brothers and sisters, and we actually have a point of reference from which to journey together. So, uh, yeah, we've been involved with a number of organisations and also uh, actually helped to set one up called Australians Together that's there specifically for that purpose, to help Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians to, to walk together. Yeah, that's great. Such an important, important issue. Um, so, taking a step back to your, to your business side of things, um, what I found, uh, found of you when I, you know, did my research on you and, and, uh, looked you up a little bit was, oh, you're gone. Oh, no. Mid question. 
hopefully we get him back one more time. I'll just ask one more question. Um, yeah. Are you finding this good? Finding this encouraging? I am. I want to keep going. I might not even preach today. But we're reconnecting, and I think we've got you back. Awesome. Yes, indeed. Awesome. So, you know, like, what I love about you when I did my research was everything points back to, um, everything about you points back to, to God and to your faith, and, um, you know, the tabloids can't ignore that, and, and just the way you have a heart for people, I think there's something different about you that isn't replicated uh, or we don't see too often um, in, the, in the big business sector. And the way you live your life is, is your testimony. I'm interested to know what effect does that have on the, on the people around you, the people you rub shoulders with. Uh, yeah, do you have any cool stories of that? Well, I think it's, it's interesting because business, uh, I guess, like many other uh, things, can, uh, can corrupt you and there's, uh, there's various temptations. But from, from my point of view, uh, if you stick to following Jesus closely and you, you try to align your life with him and the way he lived, then first of all, you have to actually uh, worship him only and not get distracted by worshipping money or power or fame or any of those things. And if you have some success in business, as you've referred to, you get media interest and whatever else, and it's really easy to get sucked in by that. My perspective was always, well, I'm just a guy following Jesus trying to do the best I can, and I'm going to do the very best I can uh, because that's what Jesus has put me here to do. I'm not here to do a half-baked job, and it's not about me at the end of the day. Uh, so I actually inevitably in business rub shoulders with a lot of guys who actually did become about them. They started to believe their own media. They started to believe they were amazing and wonderful and a gift to the world, and and that tends to lead to bad behaviour, and it leads to broken relationships, and I didn't want to go down that path. I think uh, you you referred to kind of some sense of caring for people, and I, I think that's true. That's I absolutely do. So every employee we had, I really cared about whether they were doing well or not. But there are tough times too. In 2001, we had to lay off a bunch of people. There was a, a severe pullback after the dot-com boom, and we had to actually lay people off. It was the hardest thing I've ever done because I did care about each of those people. But we had a choice to make. Uh, we could go the corporate route and actually uh, dress that up as right-sizing and, uh, and bring, you know, guards in to escort people out of the building or whatever, and we decided not to do that. We wanted to give each person dignity. It wasn't their fault. Uh, and so... Uh, me and my exec team, we made sure we sat down with every single person uh, who was uh, who was going to be leaving, talked to them about. You've gone again, which is a big shame. We might just hold through for this this last question, and uh, yeah, I don't think you want to miss this. I think it's worth the wait. Yeah. Reconnecting. <laughs> Sorry, Craig, we lost you again. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah you're just saying yeah. through the layoffs. Anyway, so so I think if you take a different route and you try to uh, honour each person, then uh, then Jesus can shine through that. 
Uh, and it's, it's kind of weirdly countercultural to actually take a different approach and to keep, keep humanity in the process of what you're doing, whether it's in business or anywhere else. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. And really quickly, before we lose you again, uh, just to wrap up, do you have any words? We have a lot of business people and people involved in that sector, admin, all that sort of, all, all that sort of corporate side of things. Do you have any last words of encouragement for them uh, about how they can sort of, you know, live their faith through what they do? Absolutely. It's essential. It doesn't matter what you do. But if you're in, if you're in the business world, then make sure that you're a person of, that, that follows Jesus that actually everything you do points back to him. And when you come across those difficult decisions and the hard stuff, just think about, you know, what is it that I read in scripture? What is it that, that Jesus would point me to doing? Do that, take the risk and do that. Uh, that's actually how Jesus uh, makes us salt and light in the world. Because if we follow him and behave the way that he, uh, he showed us, then it really makes a difference and people take notice of that. So yeah. you're in really important roles, and uh, yeah, don't don't uh, ignore that, and, and also don't think that being involved in the business community is somehow bad as a Christian. It's not at all. Mm. We're to be salt and light everywhere in every part of the community. That's awesome. Why don't we give Craig a massive round of applause? Thank you so much. We're we're so blessed to uh to have you here, and uh, hopefully it won't be too long till we see you again. Awesome. Thank you. Cool. Bye. So, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that worth all the little hiccups there? We got through it. You know, uh, we're in this series, and I think it's so cool to, to hear from people like that. Um, so encouraging to hear the way that God's using um, people, even though it doesn't seem like it. Oh, no, my notes. A person just like us. Can we get this aircon off? That would help me a lot. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you can keep those ones on. How encouraging it is for, to see people just like us with the same faith, with the same go, uh, God, just living that faith out in their world. And our prayer is that through this series that, that you'll begin to see new opportunities and new ways for you to do that in your world, see the potential of what God can do in your world. I, I once had a chat with this great pastor, and uh, we're having this chat about church growth and, you know, why... Isn't the church growing? Like why? So one of one of his uh, members of his congregation came up and said, "You know, been coming here for five years now. It's been a long time, but our our church hasn't grown. Like, what's what are you doing wrong?" And the pastor turned around to him and said, in a joking and, and loving way, he said, "I don't know. I was going to ask you the same question because I'm up here each week doing my job. We got volunteers, we got staff doing their job, but it's actually the responsibility of the broader church." to go out and minister to people, to go out and share the news. It's not someone we employ, something we employ someone to do. It's something that, it's our mission, it's our mandate, it's what God wants to do through us. And can we, can we have the baptistry aircon off? My notes are going everywhere. I have to hold on to them. Thank you. You know, uh, yeah, our hope and our prayer is that this series would help you discover a new way to minister to people around you, a new way to encourage and to build up the people around you. And, uh, and then 2019 would be a year of expanding of that vision, an expanding of your vision for your friends and for your family, for your workplace, for the way you can live out your faith. You know, last week, we looked at the story of um, Paul and Silas. And they were in the prison and, and how that very easily could have been the end of the road situation for them. That very easily could have pushed them to a point where 
you know, maybe we didn't do the right thing. Maybe we ended up in the wrong spot, but how they continue to persevere and, and look at that situation as an opportunity and continue to praise. And, and all of a sudden, this miracle happens and they have the opportunity to minister to this jail guard. Um, and, and I don't know, for me, that definitely could have been the end of the road situation. And, and we looked at this verse, and I want to expand on this verse this morning. It's from 1 Corinthians seven sixteen from the message. It says, and don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. Now, isn't that such an encouragement that no matter where you are, God wants you to live and love and obey and believe right there, that you actually have the opportunity right there, right where you are. You don't have to be in ministry or have a job at a church or be in the community, non-for-profit sector, that even in the business sector, that you have an opportunity to minister to people. I want to expand on that thought this morning and look at, encourage you, encourage us to look at ways that we can use our space. Encourage us to seek that seed of vision from God, seek that seed of, of conviction to go do something in our worlds. And I want to read this verse in, um, in Matthew 13, 31. It's a parable of the, of the mustard seed. It's Jesus, and he said, he's, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is small, though it is the smallest of all the seeds, yet it grows and is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree. So the birds come and perch on its branches. And, uh, and for you right here in this place, maybe there's a seed of vision in your heart to see your world changed. Maybe there's something small and it's, it's a small seed but a big vision and you want to see something start in your world. Well, the, the biggest things can come from the smallest vision. I love how Craig was just uh, another person who uh, you know, didn't even finish his degree and all of a sudden, he's got the biggest vision to see all these different sectors, all these different people helped with the Word of God. So, I want to title my very short message this morning, From Seed to Sequoia, which is a lyric of one of my favorite songs that Hillsong wrote. And if you don't know what a sequoia is, because I didn't when I first heard it, I did some research on it. A sequoia is this giant tree, and it, it grows all over the world in almost every continent. And it's this huge tree, it, the tallest of which is in North America, in California. And it grows up to 95 meters tall. It's this ginormous tree with huge trunks. Um, and for, for perspective, the bell tower is only 82 meters, the, the bell tower down in Perth is only 82 meters tall. So imagine a tree that goes 13 meters above that. That's a sequoia tree. And, uh, and I think sometimes I look at my life and I look at my vision and what God's given me. And, you know, I'm only 20, 21 coming up soon. And I think, you know, God's given me this vision and this, this seed. And, and I think tomorrow I'm going to wake up and it's all going to happen. It's all just going to happen. But what I discovered when I was researching about the sequoia tree is the sequoia tree that's 95 meters tall is actually 150 years old. See, it took 150 years for that small seed 
to turn into this giant tree. The, the oldest sequoia tree is 3,500 years old. And so I want to encourage you this morning, what I want to speak about this morning is a promise and a vision that God's placed in your heart to see your world saved. Although you've got that vision and although, although you've got that call, it doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow, but God actually wants you to do something through the weight, through the growth, and God actually wants to, to challenge your heart, to, to smooth out your heart in the process of becoming that giant sequoia tree. Is that, is that cool this morning? Are you with me? Is that okay? Cool. I love the feedback. It's good. So I want to read this story from Genesis. And it is the ultimate. Um, it's actually the first covenant. And if you don't know what a covenant is, it's a, it's a promise. And God made numerous promises with us. And, and this is the first of them. Uh, with Abraham in Genesis 15, we're going to start there. And, and um, you know, Abraham uh, and his wife, correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but Sarai, Sarai at the time, then Sarah, Abram and Sarai turned into Abraham and Sarah. Um, they were promised by God to father the world pretty much, to have all these seeds and have all these children. Um, and they were getting old. They, they, they didn't see the promise coming. And, and so throughout the story of Genesis, we look at this, this character, Abram, who had this promise from God and, and had to wait and wait and wait. And, and we look at this, um, you know, sanding back of his heart, this softening of his heart and correction of his heart. In Genesis 15, 1, it says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, uh, Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Now, the reason I picked that verse out of all the verses that talked about his seed is because I believe that that uncovers the bigger purpose of the weight. See, Abraham had this vision, he had this promise from God, and it took years and years for it to come. And, and so I sort of think, why would God make Abraham and Sarah wait that long for, for these children? And you look at all these conversations between Abraham and God and, and see the focus is that do not be afraid, Abraham, because I am your shield. I am your great reward. And I want to I encourage you this morning that sometimes it's not about the promise. It's about the promiser. It's not about the vision. It's about the one that gives you vision. It's about the one that's working through you. And, and although give, God gives you this promise and this awesome thing. It's not about seeing those people saved, but it's about what God's doing through you. It's about the relationship. It's about heaven touching her earth. So as you begin to walk through that vision, may you begin to see God walking through you, God working through you and softening your heart. The next one I want to read is, is Genesis 17.1. When Abram was 90 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I'm your God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and blamelessly and then I will make my covenant between you and me. Uh, then I'll make my covenant between me and you, and will in your and will in great, greatly increase in numbers. Again, it's saying it's giving Abraham this this call, this challenge to to in order to receive the promise, allow God to work through you, allow God to to change things in your heart. It's it's not about the promise, but it's about the promiser. And so I want to I 
read through Genesis 22 now. So sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son. Oh, sorry, I should say, Abraham had his son. Spoiler alert. Abraham had his son at the age of 100. And, uh, and you know, it was just this, it was almost like a shock for them because they had to wait so long. Guess to Genesis 22. And Abraham has his son, Isaac. And, uh, and so his promise has come true. And I want you to watch what happens here as I read this. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, to the region of Moriah. Am I saying that right, Brian? Yeah, Moriah. Awesome. I've got my little theologian check right there. I just look at his facial expressions as I preach. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. So sacrifice your one and only son that you've waited 100 years to have just because God told you to. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and he loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to Abraham, Father, yes, my son Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He, burnt, he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay, uh, to slay his son. Now, I don't know um, how much you hate it when your, your, your son or your daughter, you know, doesn't clean the room or do the dishes. Um, but that's pretty extreme. And I don't know if I myself would ever get to a place where I could listen to God that much to the point of that much obedience. And you look at the, you look at the escalation and the journey of, of Abraham through this and to that point, and you think maybe what God was doing in all of that time was getting him to the point of that obedience. Maybe those years of wait was getting him to that obedience. Maybe the, the promise, even though the promise had come, maybe God still just wanted to know how much Abraham would do for him. And, and so I'll finish the story just to, just to you know, ease the tension a little bit. But the angel of the Lord called out to him, from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, uh, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him now that you fear God because you have withheld from me your son. You, you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there was in a thicket. He saw a ram caught by the horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it 
as a burnt offering instead of his son. I want to I ask you this morning, and, and, and what I want you to get out of that story is, what is God doing through you through the weight? What is God doing in your heart through the weight? And, and you know, you want to wake up tomorrow, and, and this is my message last week, but wake up tomorrow and think, what can I do in my workplace, in my, in my family, with my friendship groups? And know that it might start with a small seed. It might start with something small, a small gesture. But if you continue to be faithful to that small seed, if you continue to be faithful to God, just watch how that grows. Just watch how that grows and how through you helping other people, God is actually shaping you. Can I get the band up? And we're going to come into a time of communion right now. And, uh, and through this communion, I, I want to I speak to two particular people, particular groups of people. Maybe there's people in this place that, um, you know, you've got the seed and maybe it was a message last week, or maybe you've had the seed for, the long, for a long time, the seed of vision and the seed of conviction. And you're looking out and you're saying, all right, how does this become a thing? How do we do this? How do we make this seed a reality? And as the communion's being handed out, I just want you to, to reflect on the weight, to reflect on the patience, to be actually open to God shaping you through that experience. Maybe it's not about the promise. Maybe it's not about the vision. But maybe it's about the one who gave you a promise. Maybe it's about your relationship with Him. And, and I know I can stand out here and so often cry out, you know, God, reveal yourself to me. I want to know you more. I want to become more intimate with you. I want to, you know, experience your love more. Help me to help others. And then I get tired and I get bored and I get impatient during the wait. And all of a sudden, this big vision gets delayed, gets put off and, and might not even ever happen because I miss what God's actually doing. I miss that it's not about the physical promise, but it's actually about what God's doing through me. The result of everything that God did through Abraham resulted in the nation of Israel being a God-fearing, God-loving nation. You know, the 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 circumcision, the, the promise, the, the, the actual covenant happened as a result of Abraham's heart being shaped and shaped. Maybe in order for you to see that promise fulfilled, it actually takes the weight. You actually need to go through the weight, the patience, the, the long time in between. And so for that group of people, as you Reflect upon your communion this morning. Just reflect upon that. Reflect upon maybe it's okay to be in a wait. Maybe it doesn't happen have to happen immediately, but it just starts with something small. Maybe it's just two people. Maybe it's just three people. Maybe it's just keep buying someone a coffee on the way to work and, and just showing that love. Like maybe it's just something small. Don't get discouraged by the small things, but just look at how God will use those small things. And the other group of people I want to, want to speak to this morning are the people that potentially you've never had that seed of vision. You haven't had that conviction or you haven't had that calling. And you look at your workplace and you're like, yeah, it'd be great if they're all saved. But to be honest, I don't really want to put in the effort or, or maybe it's even a little bit more subconscious that you just forget. I know I've been there. Like you just don't want to have those conversations. It's too hard. And it is hard. 
But I want to I want to pray for you this morning. And as I pray, I'm, I just want to pray that God will give you that seed, that God will give you that challenge and, and encourage you that when He gives you that seed and when He gives you that challenge, it's actually the greatest thing ever. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be the greatest thing is in. It's the easiest thing. It's going to be the greatest thing is in. It's the hardest thing. It's going to challenge you. It's going to shape you. And you're going to be better because of it, because you have a more authentic, more genuine relationship with God. And so as I pray this morning, I'm going to pray for those two groups of people. And, and just, if you're one of those people, just, you know, pray with me. Let's, let's pray together. Dear God, I just thank you that you have this enormous love for us and love uh, to, to see us move other people, God. You didn't, don't have to use us, but you want to use us. And thank you that we get to be a part of that journey. Father, I pray for the people in this place that have that vision and, and you've spoken to them already and, and they're excited about it, but they just don't know how it's going to happen. Lord, I just pray that you gift them with patience, that your spirit would just be on them. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would give a peace to their heart about the, the steps they walk, about the, the ways to get there, God. Lord, I thank you for the promise you've given us, for the seeds you've planted in our hearts, God. And Lord, I pray that all over this church, they come to fruition. Not only this church, God, but the broader church. Lord, I pray that we see revival happen, not because of a good preacher or because of a good worship team or because of a good organization, God, but because of these seeds in people's hearts being grown into big sequoia trees, God, that we would remain faithful through the, through the, through the weight, God, Lord, would you gift us with patience as we go out and we do the work and as we're shaped and as you work through us and as you refine us, God. Lord, I pray for those people right now. Holy Spirit, would you just feel them afresh? And Lord, I'd also like to pray for the people who have never had a seed of vision. God, who've, who've never encountered that, that Holy Spirit conviction. God, I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would just fall on them. Holy Spirit, would you just move in this place? You start to raise up vision, start to raise up calling God, start to raise up gifts that people never knew were there. God, would you equip your people with courage and boldness as they go out into the world and spread your love and your life. Father, I pray that as a result of today, as, as we take communion this morning, that we would also take in a fresh vision, a Holy Spirit vision for our world, for our workplace. For the people around us, God, that, that you've placed in our world. God, I thank you that it's not about our position or our status. We don't have to be the CEO of the top company in the IT industry, God, but we can actually just be who we are and be faithful. And so, God, I pray that you would just plant those, vision, those, those seeds of vision on people's hearts right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, as we take this communion, would you just bless it to our body? Thank you for your new covenant with us, for relationship with us, for your, for your promise. And thank you that as we eat and as we drink, we're reminded of that, that that's never far from us, but that's close. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, in your own time, you may eat and drink, but we're going to continue to worship. Um, and as the cups are being collected, please like waste no time, stand to your feet. We're going to continue to sing 